Can you believe it? Can I believe what? We made it to 20 episodes. 20 episodes. Woo! I mean, honestly, it's it's kind of hard to, to believe. I mean, it feels like we were just doing this yesterday. You know, I, I think back to fall, to autumn harvest. Fall and... harvest. You still, still can't <laughs> still get can't it right. It. But I mean, it, it's gone by really quick. And yeah, we started at Daisy Hills and we ended in Milwaukee. Yeah, and we made it all the way to to Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we are so happy that we made it here. Mm-hmm. And on our twentieth episode, very we, special, very special twentieth. We're episode. so excited for you guys to hear this episode. I I can't even believe that we. We have guests on our show, guys. It's not just <laughs> us for this episode. So for our 20th episode, not only did we watch a New Year's resolution, which, I mean, I don't know about you, but it quickly became one of my favorite Hallmark movies this season. I mean, technically, it's the New Year, so it's not really, you know, Hallmark Christmas, but it's close enough to give me some Christmas vibes. I mean, there was a ton of lights in this movie. But not only did we watch a New Year's resolution, fall in love with it, but we actually have some special guests here today. Yes, we have the director of a New Year's resolution, Leslie Dimitriadis. And we have two of the supporting actors in the film as well. We have Cassandra Potenza and Melissa Marie Elias. Mm-hmm. So why don't we uh, go ahead and introduce them and let's get rolling. Uh, hi, I'm Leslie Dimitriadis and I directed a New Year's resolution. Hi, I'm Cassandra Potenza, and I played the associate producer in the movie. Mm-hmm. I loved your little bun that you had. Side bun was really cute. I know they used like a like a it was like a sock bun, and they okay. like wrapped my hair around it. And it was just like right here, so that was cool. Cool style. How, how much? Try it out. <laughs> how much um, flexibility do you guys have in like the styling of the character? Does it just vary on the movie? Yeah, like nothing. Usually it's like the creative, especially with Hallmark because they're very specific in terms of like the colors and everything. So yeah, pretty pretty much not. I'm just like, you go in and they they fix you up. <laughs> I am Melissa Realize. I played Needy Sheila. She really needed her brother, Michael. <laughs> and she's the mother of those two most adorable children. That was so much fun, <laughs> literally. I know. I was surprised because I didn't know like what parts you guys were playing. So I was like, oh, wow, she's a sister. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first time. And I'm so glad it was to Michael Rady because when I watched him, because I had the unique experience of working with both Amy on two movies and then Michael on this one. And when you have scenes with people one-on-one, you really see things like their work ethic and then their humor and all that stuff. And I really liked Michael because he was just as weird as I was. He was just so sweet and so calm. You know that blind confidence that's just like, yes, it's going to work. And he's delicious at the same time. I'm like, yeah, you got this. Yes, he was amazing. Well, I mean, congrats on the premiere, guys. What, do, what did you guys do for the premiere? How do you guys handle a premiere? Um, so I watched it with my family. I'm back in Winnipeg, which is my hometown, and that's also where the movie was filmed. So I got to watch it with my family, and yeah, we just had some popcorn, had a good time. <laughs> that's so nice. Yeah. Did you just watch I it at home? Yeah. I to be honest with you, I was so blown away, especially in this film. I was blown away at the beauty of my hometown. 
And I was also blown away that in the middle of winter, there were so many activities that I didn't even know existed in my hometown, all right? <laughs> and so I was looking at it, and even like that walk and talk shot with Amy and Michael, where they're coming, I think it's Red River, and there's white lights all around them, and they're walking backwards. And then, like, from a technical side of view, from an emotional side of view, I was like, it's beautiful, and it's so well-written and so well-acted, and everybody's having these, like, little conversations. Like, I've never seen actors interact like that before, like, so freely. But at the same time, I also realized that technically, we've got a whole crew of people in front of them doing the walk and talk, backing down stairs and yep. stuff. That's yep. not easy. And thank you, Leslie. And also, let's talk about the water. Go, Leslie. <laughs> that was for real, guys. Oh, that, that was, no, that was our no first question tank. about the water. There's no water tank in Winnipeg. Leslie, tell them what you did. It was, it was, it was pretty amazing to, to, to do that. We actually, it was one of the... It was one of the things in pre-production that we were going back and forth on as far as how to do it, should we do it, you know, um, getting consent from the actress and, and all of that. And she really, um, to Amy's credit, because she actually had to do it twice. No, so, I was going to ask how many takes did it take? I was like, one, right? It was just the one take? We were going for one. We were going for one. And I, I looked at the footage and I was like, we didn't get the moment oh, that I'm going for oh, no. when she comes up and out of the water and, you know, that kind of vibe. And so I, I <laughs> she was, she was warming up in her trailer and Kevin Duda, the, my producer and I walked in. I was like, so Amy. <laughs> <laughs> I described that conversation. How are you feeling? Wondering. <laughs> Wondering. Um, and she handled it like a champ. Didn't even bat an, an eye and said absolutely. And they redid everything. Wow. And we did it again. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. Because we were saying he was like, surely they didn't make her actually do that. <laughs> Oh, yes. oh, we did. We really, really <laughs> did. And we had different versions of it. We weren't sure if we were going to build a dock and have everybody run off and then jump off the dock, oh. but that wasn't going to be great, li like liability-wise and how shallow the lake was. And, okay. and so, yeah, it just ended up being better for everybody to run in like, like a, a normal plunge that they do in within Wisconsin. And the other people that are in the, that are in the scene, all of the extras, did it for charity. So apparently they do they do plunges there, and they they each donated their paycheck to the charity what? that they usually plunge for. So all the other people That's that awesome. you see around her are all doing it for charity too, which That's I awesome. thought added such a beautiful energy for the day. There was everybody was there to give something, and so everybody was in it was in joy and just had had a great time. So I think it definitely helped elevate the the mood. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of that, the polar plunge. Yeah. But I would never do it. I could, I could never do that. Not I in Winnipeg. No. <laughs> no. I'll do the polar plunge in the tropics. <laughs> the polar plunge. Where's Leslie right now? I'll do a polar plunge in her backyard. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Sure. I got this. I also can't swim, so forget about it. And we, we just want to start off by saying so if you've listened to our podcast, we tell you right off the bat how we felt about it. Yeah, we, we try to be as honest as, as possible. We really do. I mean, I think that's one of the things. When we started off, we're like, 
no matter what, let's just try to keep our honesty. If it's bad, if it's good, we have to keep our honesty. Yeah. So we loved this movie. <laughs> like 100%. Like 100%. And we, we were like, we know they're going to think we're lying because they're on, but <laughs> truly we loved it. We were so happy too. Cause you know, we were a little nervous. Like if it's not good, good. what are we going to do? <laughs> You guys, I started a whole thing that was happening the next day. So it aired last night, and then we're all coming together. If it was bad, I'd be like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> you know, so yeah, it falls on all of us. We only want to put, you know, lovely, intelligent, bright truth out there anyway. And I think this one nailed it. Yeah. yeah, we were blown away, yeah, actually. From a romantic standpoint, from a technical standpoint, just through the roof. So it's a great job, guys. Like, honestly, that was it was fantastic. Yeah, it felt... Because okay. I only saw my house before. That was my first time seeing it, and I'm super competitive and super judgmental. So Leslie, Cassandra, Paul, <laughs> yay! Yeah, everyone did an amazing job. We just, we kept saying, like, it just felt so different. Mm. from like a really any other hallmark movie we've seen so i mean so i mean leslie when, you, when you're going into something like this you know do you get the script first and you're looking at it do you do you try to make it a little bit different do you try to hit into that hallmark zone kind of what, what is your your thought process and that can you walk me through that a little bit yeah first off my intention is to tell a true story about a woman and about the female perspective associated with that. And from there, I will integrate the, the if it's television, or even if I'm doing something indie, that would be a different category. But since this is, you know, a network and they have a brand and they have a, um, a vibe that they, that they go for, I, I work to marry the two. And I, it's one of the things that I find to be really fun for me as a creative to find the ways to do that because it's not okay for me to, to be a part of something that doesn't have real moments for women or anybody for that matter, especially women. And it's also not okay to not hit the, the points of what, what makes the brand uh, and in this case, Hallmark, so, so important and wonderful and what people come to the channel for, you know? So I, first and foremost, I'll read the script for enjoyment and then I'll go, I'll start to go back and see how I can integrate the, the, the realness of what calls to me in the script with the brand that I'm working for. Well, I, I think you, you absolutely nailed it. It seems like it's almost like a fine line where you have to handle the Hallmark brand, but also push the film a little bit forward into new territory. And, you know, I think lately it seems like Hallmark is just exploding, especially obviously around Christmas time. Hallmark just seems each year seems to get more and more popular. And this question is for everyone here. What do you guys think really kind of separates Hallmark from, there's a lot of imitators now. You know, what do you think makes a Hallmark movie a Hallmark movie? What do you think separates it from the pack? Because Hallmark is the bar. Hallmark is the bar. How do you, how do you, what do you think that is? For, from my experience, um, the people that I work with, the, what they bring to the table really helps to set the bar 
the executives that Hallmark has are top notch. Um, they're what they what they're going for the eye that they have for things, the um, integrity that they have around what it is that that they um, that they're creating, and you can see that in the footage. You can see it in the the final cut that everybody that's associated with the whatever movie is being produced is, you know, of the highest caliber that, that, that they can get. And it really does read through the footage. I think I'd like to add to that too, because Hallmark itself, to their credit, is also changing. When I just, I've done, I was, I had the opportunity to do a lot of Hallmark films in a short period of time during a shift. And I realized the other day when I, miracle there were a lot of like hard fast rules to that hallmark experience that were like no 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 and then by the time i worked with leslie it was like everything had become a little bit more easy because they're like there's a real life out there like how can we integrate what's really happening in the world into our brand and i know that they're trying and kudos to them for that you know as long as you're with the most collaborative people and reasonable people like Leslie, I think that we're, we're, we're really doing some special things like this movie. The, uh, I would say that, that Ashley Squires was the executive on this movie and pretty much anything that her name is attached to, I'm interested in working on because she, ha she is interested in pushing the envelope. Very and nice. all of her m movies at Hallmark have something in them where she's pushing. She's yes. pushing a bit, and she really has been an agent for change in some really profoundly beautiful ways that now Hallmark as a whole, you know, because of their new CEO and everything that they've got going on there, they're, they're shifting, and, and that's a really neat thing to get to see. Yeah. I saw it in action on the other movie I did with her, too, because, uh, you know, it was a true story, which was rare, and it involved uh, somebody having a very tough surgery and it's how do you show how awful it is to recover that surgery but still stay in that positive and stay in that let's not like be too intense but let's teach a lesson it was it's been she is wonderful that is if that's the tie-in between all of them because she was on that movie too then thank you ashley wherever you are yeah yeah no uh talking about the film that melissa just brought up once upon a christmas miracle uh, which I was also involved in and completely agree. It was like the amount of heart that had gone behind, like into everything, every small detail. And I feel like that is a difference when you do watch a Hallmark movie and you know how much heart is involved in it and the depth they can go to while still keeping you know the lightness of Hallmark and the warmth. So I think that also sets it apart is just like that overall experience where it's like being wrapped in a warm hug. You can't really find that elsewhere. No, not really. Especially in Manitoba though. Like I'm going to call up my hometown right now because honestly, I'm going to keep doing it because I'm just, I'm here and I am in love with it. But the crews there, if you think about it, we're doing these movies and you don't have a lot of time. But you have a lot of, you have a lot of people, you don't have a lot of time. Like when I first got there, I think I flew in and then I went to set and then Leslie gave me a note and I'm like, oh, we're really working today. So let's just focus down. And then I was like, okay, none of my antics are going to work on this set. We have to really get to work here. And it was so much better for me. 
but knowing that the crews are doing things like walking back roads downstairs and getting in the water and doing all that stuff it just when you have a crew that's willing to go the extra mile that's what happens you know, yeah, they, yeah. They take ownership over the movies themselves, as if. They- yeah, we have a we have a fantastic filming scene here in Winnipeg. Uh, absolutely fantastic, and it's such a blessing to for it to be our hometown. And I get to come back to film quite often, which is amazing. That's awesome. I get to come back to work and see my family. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the cruise. I mean, the the camera was in the water with her, so it wasn't just her in the no. water. You had the camera right there, just holding steady, like. Yeah. Oh, well, Paul, Paul Suderman was a cinematographer on this and he was for Two Turtle Doves as well and I, I absolutely love working with him. He's a, he's a, an amazing artist. For the Polar Plunge, we had a camera on land, we had a camera tracking a lot like we built a track over the water that they were uh, going down and then we also had yeah uh, somebody from our crew that we brought in special who was in the water in a suit and then the camera was was pretty much right on top of the, of the water line and that was how we got her reaction shots and all the stuff of them coming coming towards the camera and you know that was that was really fun to get to plot out with him and see like you know where do we need to be to see the story <laughs> and i i love working with him because he's always he's ready to play he's ready to to do some some neat and exciting things. It's always a great experience with him. Leslie, who was the wardrobe on that? Because I was like, where'd Cassandra get that top? Where did Amy get that black and white blouse? Where did that blue blouse come from? Where did that bikini come from? Whoa, what's happening? Please, who, what happened there? That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Her, her name is Bonnie Sutherland and she is such a gem. She was also wardrobe for Two Turtle Dubs. Um, we did our best to bring back everybody that was in in the crew because every single person had such heart and talent that um oh my gosh if i if i could just create movies with that team over and over and over again same with kevin duda on set our producer is he's absolutely amazing to work with and so and and gordon uh, you know, uh, in the art department and, and, and production design and all of that. Just so much talent, so much talent there in Winnipeg. It, it was just, it's such a blessing to get to work with people like that. Well, yeah, that's, we were talking about, because we saw Two Turtle Doves last year also, which was one of our favorites. And I know it's the same writer, Sarah Montana. So were you guys friends before? Like, I'm, you're saying you loved all of the crew and so you wanted to work again together. Obviously that movie seems set apart too. Like her writing is on another level. So how did that partnership come about? Yeah, so I produced and directed an indie in New York called Women and Sometimes Men and Ashley Squires, the executive at Hallmark saw it and it's certainly not a Hallmark movie by, by any means. However, it is a rom-com. And she, she liked what I did with it. And so we had a conversation about what it would look like to do something for Hallmark. And that was how Two Turtle Doves was born. We, we began writing the story. My mother, my husband and I began writing the story of that and then handed it off to Sarah Montana, who was close with Ashley. And that's what started the, the, the friendship. 
and um, started the group and that sort of synergy. And we had a, you know, a lot of meetings together and, and talking about what the intention is for this and how we were going to speak to what grief was and all of that. Mm. And it went so well and we had so much fun that Ashley and Sarah were already kind of in cahoots talking about an, a, a New Year's movie and the possibility of saying yes and all of that. And then they brought me into the to the fold and it was really it was really cool to get to be a part of of sort of the finalization of the the story on that as well that's awesome so melissa and cassandra um how did you guys get to be a part of this movie how did that come about um well i've got, it was, I've got a rule i don't i only do hallmark movies if cassandra's there and let there now this is i know right i can tell you i can tell you how I can tell you how yes, I watched. Yes. I watched a lot of auditions. Oh, and did you? These, these women <laughs> were extremely talented. So. Oh, <laughs> so nice. Yeah, I remember it was such a. It was such a quick process. I think I sent in a self tape, and then the next day, I think I got it, and then the next day I flew out. It was so fast, and then the next I said, day I was. Like, I want her, and I want her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I, I was in LA and I read for more than one character on this movie. I'll tell you that much. I got confused after a while. I was like, all I can do is be my heart true self right now. Cause that's what happens when you're auditioning for like multiple roles in anything. And that happens to me a lot because my ethnicity is so mixed and my personalities are so varied that, you know, they'll say like, can she play this? Can she try this? Can she do this? And after a while you just realize all you can do is lean on your honesty and try to be true to the moment and then really go deep into those feelings and stuff. And that's your, your shield every single time. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I do have to say, Melissa, I just watched amazing winter romance. You told me about that one. I watched that one yesterday. <laughs> I am amazed at your, your range. Cause we fell in love with you and on the 12th date of Christmas mm -hmm. and we loved your character so much in that one, you know, the like sarcastic, quirky, and then you go, you were basically like the other woman and the amazing <laughs> I felt so bad for you, but, and then you're a mom of two girls in this one. Like I just, you're crushing it. And just to talk yeah. about that one with, you know, the women thing, it's like anytime we went to a table read and Jesse Scram and I were, talking about how do we play these they were not written nice to each other at all and we really wanted to walk the fine line of two women that were pursuing the same gentleman in a very graceful decent manner where we were not doing anything negative to each other and that was hard we'd get in the makeup chair every single morning run those lines make sure we're scanning for any type of like victimization or bitterness or like you know, anything, you know, any type of any of that. And that was probably the most work I've done in terms of like making sure that we're portraying these women as, you know, not enemies. Like we didn't want, want them to fight with each other. We want, if anything, we wanted to them to misunderstand each other. Yeah. I mean, you, know? you just kept and hugging her. It was great. I really did. At the end of the day, I'm like, love works every time. I, I hug Amy in this movie too. I'm like a hugger. It's like, just, just hug it out. <laughs> I'll tell you something I like about working with Melissa. So, you know, there are people who are really good at auditioning. There are people who are really good at set. There are people who are really good at both. But you never really know what you're going to get on set. You know, when it, when it comes down to it, do they know their lines? Did they do their work? I mean, you know, I kind of, I walk 
I walk on the hot set and it's like, all right, here we go. Let's see what we're going to be working with. And it's so incredibly refreshing to work with an actor who brings it all. And then I get to take away versus working with actors who are the opposite where it's like a pull and 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 a pull. And And it was so neat to get to be like, Hmm. All right. There's like a, there's a buffet of things that, that, you know, directions we can go with, with this. And I can start to say, okay, you can tuck that back in your pocket. Okay. You go ahead and tuck those things back in your pocket. Great. Great. Now let's move with these things. And that's the gift for a director on set. We, We don't get that all the time. It also mm-hmm. takes a lot of trust because I know it's all in me and I know it's all coming out at once. And it, you know, to some directors that might scare them and I might not get the job because it's overwhelming and I'm doing a bunch of stuff at the same time. But for the right directors, they know that they can just tell me, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Here's what you're trying, because they know that I, Leslie, I learned so much. She came on uh, set, she'll say, where's the turn? Oh yeah, okay. And then we would move where that turn was and it was just so, it was a brilliant emotional workout for me and it made me better for a- every other movie I've done since then. So thank you, Leslie. It was, mm-hmm. it was great to get to witness it. They've been working with you before. I mean, even, you know, just as a coworker, fellow actor, the energy you bring behind the scenes as well is I feel like when things get, you know, it's like 2 a.m. and I feel like you're just always smiling and so positive. And that was just such a breath of fresh air to have. And we had fun. We had so much yeah, fun. Exactly. But you know what? I'll tell you, making a space for me to be able to be who I am is a testament to everybody around me. And that is like, thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Cassandra, for like, you know, because it, it can come across as either way, right? But to be accepted for who you are and a spot was made at the table for me with all my eccentricities and all that stuff. And then they make me look like a badass my life for Hallmark. It's like, great. You know, I, I'm really lucky and I feel very blessed. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. And, and we talk about this on the podcast. I, I feel like you can really tell when people on set are having a great time because it comes through in that final product. And you know, I, I really think you guys, it looked like you guys were having a blast. Like each scene, everyone was smiling, everyone was laughing, like it just, everything just played off beautifully. And I, I really appreciate, Leslie, your attention to detail, you know, with, with most of the, as she's, you know, taking her brother back into the house, you know, her hand rests on the small of his back, like leading him into the room. And Cassandra, you have like a little, a little smile when you pass along the note, like these little things really elevate a film. And I, and I think you guys did a wonderful job. I'll even add to that too, because like I was noticing when I was watching, usually in these types of movies, or for better or for worse, you know, when a certain moment's coming, the music will cue mm-hmm. and it will be like the oddest music, like, oh, down the or I'm supposed yes. to be happy now, right? Yes. In yes. this movie, he talks right? about this all, all the time. time. <laughs> Here we go, okay? So let's just say, like, in this <laughs> movie, I'm like, oh, the music is subtle and it's helping and it yes. works. I was so. Yeah. Because usually, and you can't even hear my voice sometimes when the music comes on, because it's like, it's supposed to be quirky time, or like, (laughs) you know what I mean? They're going to kiss or whatever. But like, I, you guys. Yeah, it was like working as one at this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. because I mean. Cassandra saw that, because me and Cassandra always talk about this stuff afterwards. We'll go for coffee and we'll be like, okay, what did we get right? What could we have made better? What could we, like, how did we feel about everybody? Was every, you know, and uh, I was actually going to ask her, like, what do you feel about the music, Cassandra? Yeah, no, I felt the same way because I, I had seen your prior podcasts as well, where you talked about the jingle that would <laughs> come on. And I noticed that too, that I felt like it, 
it just assisted it, which I feel like, you know, when things come together and they're working as they should, instead of kind of like covering up anything, I felt that was a nice like assist from the music. I loved it. Just my opinion, I feel like it's almost like a fear, you know, I, I, you need to let the actors act. And that music comes in as a fear. It's like, oh, they're not going to let this moment read. And so we have to have this music to let people know there's a funny moment coming. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so I, I think it's about trust. And obviously, Leslie trusted you guys to, you know, do the scenes that you do. And, um, and I think it comes through very, very well like that. I have a, a music background. And so things uh, can really upset me. <laughs> That's not the right way to put it. I can become agitated by really poor choices in music. And couple that with Kevin Duda, who's a Broadway performer and was in Book of Mormon. And he is, I mean, he is so dialed into anything music related that, yeah, I feel like those were two filters, not to mention our composer. Um, he's, he's absolutely wonderful for, for this specific film. You know, uh, him along with the two filters, uh, we completely agree with what you're saying. I, I, I mean, music is so important. Mm -hmm. um, how to use it sometimes can even be <laughs> even more important than maybe what you have available to you. And, and I mean, also like an indie film, sometimes you have a budget that doesn't allow for, you know, what it was that you were going for at first. And it's like, well, depending on how we use what we have, you know, it can really be, um, it can really introduce a lot of creativity into something is when you have those types of restrictions of what you have available to you. I remember I did a movie a long time ago and for some reason they ran out of budget and I was on MySpace and Facebook <laughs> searching for musicians. And then we got all of these musicians, we got their music into the movie and then they were all signed to record labels by the time we were done with them because it was a Lionsgate movie. And I just felt so fulfilled that I sat there for 14 hours a day on MySpace looking for unsung heroes. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And then when you see them put it in the movie and you can like walk to a certain beat and like it, it's meant to enhance, not to like, yeah. ex like Cassandra said, distract from something that went wrong. You know, like it's meant to make it better and feel good. And I really went on a ride with Leslie's. So thank you, Leslie. It's so funny that you say that because I found, um, you know, it as far as like the process of being in the industry and being a creative and moving along and doing the different projects, you really never know who's helping who. Yeah. You never really know who's helping who. Mm -hmm. And I had a similar experience where it was like we had something like 40 indie artists on on our our soundtrack who all, you know, got booked and got larger deals from our, our music supervisor and at first it was like you know can can you can you donate a song to this movie yeah. or whatever it is and yeah. then they get it back 10 tenfold you yes. know of course if we had the budget would it be awesome to to of course yeah yes yes of course but you know in the indie world sometimes it's like the people that are available to to uh uh you know, be a part of something yeah. at whatever yeah. level you you're creating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do yeah. you a solid and make your work better and, you know, always keep themselves accountable to a super high standard. So, you know, just by virtue of being around them, your stuff's going to be better for sure. Yep. Yep. Leslie, can I ask you a question? Sorry, guys. I have to ask Leslie a question. So oh, let's, talk about, <laughs> let's talk about that mosaic of casting. I have never seen such. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Because it wasn't like, 
I just have to say it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Maybe, I don't know. I don't want to upset anybody, but usually when you're grouping, like I see a lot of like making a movie, a Christmas movie based on a specific ethnicity or a certain religion now or a certain gender preference or all that stuff and making it about that instead of this. This was, everyone was in there, Leslie, having a great time. Was that easy to do or did you find that there were struggles along the way with that or? So I'm, I'm not into forcing anything, but I am into widening the net and the talent comes anyway. So yeah. every mm -hmm. single person that, that got the role that they got, got it because they were the best at that role and they walked into the room and they were that person and there was no denying it and that was it. Yeah. But working, this is something that, that Ashley, Kevin and I take very seriously and the same thing happened with two turtle doves we're very interested in representation and what our cast looked like and and all of that in every single um realm of, of possibility with that and so we didn't treat this any differently we just kept widening the, widening the net until we got something that felt really good well tell me how you found my daughters because i know that that was down to the wire <laughs> that was down to the wire. The, the neat thing about it was they're the daughters of our special effects guru. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, uh, it was interesting because like, right. I was just going through tape after tape after tape of these adorable children. But they just, you know, I, I'm, I run an intuitive set and I do everything in a way where it kind of like hits me in a different space and I just wasn't getting the ping. And then I, his eldest daughter was one of the singers in two turtle doves at the end in the, in the, in the choir and he and mm. and so we said oh and you've got a another daughter let's have them read send in a tape to see, see what it is and they sent in the tape and it was like bam there they are yeah <laughs> so it was yeah it was really neat it, I always think of it sort of like an easter egg hunt you know like the eggs are here we just got to find them yeah. and that's pretty much with every, everything having to do in a creative career, in a creative project, all of it. My, when you were talking about faith, faith in music, I, we can totally extrapolate that to pretty much everything. Is that all the Easter eggs are here? We just got to find them. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that I bring up a lot, and I, I think this gets passed over in some movies, is is playing the role of the friend of of the sister. It it seems extremely difficult to me to play that role because. You know, a lot of times you might not know the person that you're supposed to be the sister to or, or the best friend. How do you guys handle that? I mean, is it as hard as I think it is? Well, I feel um, having played like a supporting uh, role of being a sister, I feel like the most important thing to remember in Hallmark is that when you're a supporting character, you are the most supportive character ever. Ah. <laughs> and that was one thing I, I kept in mind in the audition as well is just pretty much, you know, you're you're there to support in every possible way um yeah well for me it's like it's an organic thing like honestly like i've worked with you know women again i come on strong so if you're not warned before like when i met amy t garden i will never forget the moment i met her i had first time meeting her was on set when we were doing our very first scene together and she was like what <laughs> is happening right so then we just kind of pulled ourselves aside and we said, okay, what's our, how are we getting along as individuals outside of the show? And then let's incorporate it into the show because you cannot, doesn't matter what your relationship is with somebody. If you don't have a connection with them as an actor, 
it's never going to be as good as if you're just naturally connecting with that person. And like Leslie said, at the end of the day, when you walk on a hot set, you can prepare all you want. You have to go with that flow and trust that your crew and your director and your writers have had your back the whole time and you got to just stay in that moment. And for me, that's the biggest challenge is not doing anybody else's job but my own, which is stay connected and let the work director tell you where you're going with this and what the relationship and all that stuff. I'm just always very open to that. So I can change on a dime, you know? Because yeah. as an actor, you do your own work in kind of like a bubble. But then when you're put on set and you're with other characters in a scene, you have to be able to adjust because acting is so much about listening and so much about what you're getting back. And and it's very easy to play a supporting role when you have such a generous lead. Like Amy is such a generous actor and just getting to watch her work and the specific questions she has, I feel like she's such a curious actor. So it does become such an easy job when, you know, you're working with people that are just such generous creatives. And Amy also uh, shadowed, right, Leslie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Amy, Amy was shadowed me. Um, she shadowed me in pre-production and then through part of the, any, anything that she wasn't directly in, she, she shadowed um, oh. me on set because she was interested in directing at some point as well. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I would say from a, like a, a bird's eye perspective, which is where I said, if, if I'm not getting what I'd like from a, an actor who's playing a role like that, which, you know, rom-coms are, are, are certainly, they have, they can, they can have a stigma um, where, you know, people in the industry might feel like they're easy to do and they're, they're actually not. And I feel like we've seen, some larger directors like take a stab at, I'm not gonna name it names, but take stabs <laughs> at, uh, at rom-coms. And it's like, oh yeah, that didn't hit for you the way that you thought maybe, maybe it would. And one of the things that, that really aids me when I'm working with an actor on set, if they're, if they're kind of, if they're not finding that zone is when we talk about their substitution, that can really, really help a lot when they're when they're on set and the book work is done and we've got what we've got. We've got to go with something that's a visceral substitution for somebody that they that they love and they care about that fits the analysis of what we're working on. And you know, we can't sub best friend for best friend, not all the time because the you know the the analysis around whatever this particular best friend means to this character could be very different from how the actor feels about their best friend but maybe not their dog maybe their dog fits that analysis perfectly you know and so if we substitute in the dog all of a sudden the audience doesn't know you're substituting in a dog all of a sudden they just see you know the the filter of what completely matches the analysis for this scene even though what's happening internally is you're talking to your your best friend who's a dog you know and things like that you know when th that's the type of stuff that I'm interested in is sort of like that kind of um you know getting into the kitchen and seeing what there what there is to cook with and when you have actors that'll go with you and be like wait you want me to do what with my my dog and I'm talking to who and what you know that that all of a sudden what starts to read on camera is something completely different and it you know the audience is having a different journey because of that kind of of jump and so that's that's one thing that I'll do to maybe help from the bird's eye perspective if if somebody hasn't really met that moment yet 
you have an acting background, right? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I feel like also because working with a director that has an acting background is it it makes such a difference I find because you can speak in our language you know sometimes with directors of course like god bless them but um you know it's like oh you know speed it up or I need more and like it just it's not our language and talk about substitution of course is you know something we can easily relate to yeah, I was an actor. I was an actor for a long time until uh, the writer's strike in 2008, and I couldn't support myself anymore. So the next skill set I had was producing. So I started producing a ton of documentaries and television and all of that. And then after a while, I got to you know pretty much the height of what I could get to without pretty much signing my life away. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, I still want to have a family. I still want to do all of these other things. And I accidentally started to direct. And then I was like, oh, wait a second, because it tied me back into what I loved about acting so much and human behavior and analysis and, you know, the, what, what a real moment is. And then I realized like, ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with this. That's awesome. That's fantastic. It really is, you guys. Like what she's basically saying is like my dream come true with directors is like, do they really understand how deep we want to go and all of that stuff? And can they communicate with us? And do they have as much faith in us as we have to have in them? You know, it's really, really a magical thing, this acting stuff. You know, when, if you really think about it later, like you have to be free to it when you're doing it. And you just got to like be resigned to, I'm in this moment. I'm going to stay here. We're going to get this done. But at the end of the day, it's, it really is magic. Yeah. You know, oh, I got to tell you, though, I'm such a snoop. My husband makes so much fun of me because like, you know, at Christmas time, when we go for walks and stuff like that, I love looking in people's windows. To see, like, their <laughs> Christmas tree and, stuff like that. and I've always been like that. I've always been someone that's like, what do they have going on over there? And I figured like my two year old daughter started doing it. He's like, oh, <laughs> she's got it. But it's one of those things that really helps me in this position and one of the things that I love when I get to work with a really good actor is because ultimately we're setting up the stakes to something that cannot be accomplished like it's impossible and then I call action and watch them jump and it's like every single time I'm like oh what are they gonna do this time <laughs> what are they gonna, you know and if you've got a good actor that you love working with you know it's you're not gonna get two takes that are the same right. and once again, the, what the audience sees is something so different than what the actor is experiencing. Because a lot of the time, the actor is going, it's a rom-com, but I'm talking about high stakes. So in Two Turtle Doves, you know, uh, you could be losing the love of your life in a scene, yeah? but they're talking about Christmas lights. You know, and so the amount of cover that needs to happen in order for that to even fly, but what the actor is going through to even have that launch is so different from 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 what we see at the at the end and to me I don't know what beats that I don't know what beats getting to be there in the front row watching somebody fight for their life Mm. you know and then uh, having it match the genre comedy is a serious business it is exactly what you just described your your stakes are super high and you're fighting for everything you've got and that's what where the comedy comes from you don't it doesn't come from trying to be funny or you know anything like that it comes from the exact opposite which i don't think a lot of people understand yeah I know. yeah i always think it's so funny when somebody's like you know oh i'm tired of drama for a while i think i'm going to go do a comedy i'm like 
wrapping the steaks? You're wrapping them? Yeah. 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 Oh, no, man. That's so challenging because you can't, you can't push it. Absolutely. It's such a, it's such a fine line and mm. it needs to be so truthful to land. Yeah. I want to shout out, speaking of comedy, and we were talking about cast, the cast members that you guys got for Kelly's friend circle, they were amazing. And we were talking about like friendship, seeing genuine and everything we loved them. And Elise Bowman played AJ. I loved her so much. Because speaking of comedy, like, it was perfect. Yeah. yeah, she was amazing. And both of the other, uh, Patricia Isaac playing Lisa and Devin Alexander playing Jackson. We loved that whole group. They were amazing. You know How did you? For me, too, while we're at it, Adam Hurtig playing on Michael Rady's side as the friend. He really stood out for me on Michael Rady's friend group. And he yes. had some really killer work in this. And I, I've been following him for a long time and I know him and I know how hard he works, but I've never seen that side of him. And I'm really watching him grow into like who he is. And it's kind of <laughs> really funny. I really like it. So shout out to Adam Herdig. Yeah. And one thing I thought that was so refreshing about this film was the access we had to the main characters' lives and being able to meet their group of friends, being able to meet their nieces. I thought that was so special because I know usually with Hallmark movies, you know, you get the one best friend, mm. but being able to see a group of friends. And I remember reading that in the script and I was like, this just sets like so much realism to it. And you get to know her so much more through her friends. Yeah. Very true. And I feel like that and the amount of scenes and the amount of locations. I Don't quote me on this, but I believe this is the Hallmark film with the most locations ever created. Um, <laughs> it was like every single scene, you know, was pretty much a new location for the most part. There were a couple times where, you know, we were back at the, at the TV station and stuff like that. But for the most part, we were not at somebody's Nana's kitchen for four <laughs> yeah. scenes. Or like, you know what I mean? <laughs> or yeah. some in, yeah. yeah. Well, well, Leslie, I mean, speaking of locations, that the restaurant scene on New Year's Eve, I think, is my favorite scene in any Hallmark movie in terms of just how it was shot. I'm, I'm huge on lighting. I'm huge on lighting. And when it's not done well, it just, it kills me inside. It really does. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And, and just the way you guys lit that scene, just it seemed natural, authentic. Um, can, you, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I don't think, no, if I've even seen a scene lit like that in a Hallmark movie before. I mean, it was something where, you know, we talked about, you know, I always start um, when, when, when Paul and I are on a location and we're scouting or we're, you know, uh, we're there to shoot, uh, you know, we always go back first and foremost, what's the story about, you know, and, and we wanted this to have, you know, that this romantic feel, but also a friendly vibe and still have that hallmark kind of like glow to it and everything. And so we were pretty specific on color palette and how the light was bouncing and, and all of that. And that's kind of how we moved forward with it. And it was one of those scenes that was written in a way where it could have been shot a number of different yeah. ways with the two tables back to back or side to side and how um, we kind of made the most, once again, out of the time that we have, because a lot of it's dictated by time, too, in these movies. And certainly with the amount of locations that we had, we also had to incorporate how long it would take to get to different locations. So you're not necessarily spending 
all day in one space where you can really knock out a number of different uh, shots and angles. But I agree with you too, because I'm, I'm working, I'm actually working on a, a thriller right now. <laughs> um, I got a for, for Hallmark, for Hallmark, a Hallmark thriller? <laughs> <laughs> for Hallmark. <laughs> but, a Hallmark uh, horror movie. It's, it's one of those things too, where, as you know, like lighting and sound is so important in, in that genre as well for completely different reasons, but it really is. It's, it's so neat to get to see in each genre how important like you cannot skimp on things like lighting or sound oh. because that's like the the first you know tell that this might not be good yeah. <laughs> if, if those things two things are not in place yeah. you know but that i mean that honestly that scene was just i could look at that scene over and over again especially when you, when you, when you sweep in with that camera yeah. oh it's gorgeous i actually yeah. texted thank you, thank michael nathan michael fletcher who works in wardrobe as well he is just killing it in the wardrobe world where did we get that blouse? Can I, can I, can a girl get that gold and black blouse? Where is that? How do I get my hands on it? Legitimately, it was just so beautiful. And her hair was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was daring hair, too. I'm like, you know what? Everything in this movie was just yay. A yeah. little bit edgier. A little bit. A little bit edgier. <laughs> it yeah. was. And it that felt... was definitely something we were we were going for. Our hair and makeup department was absolutely phenomenal. And once again, I've got to say, Paul Paul Suderman is just an amazing cinematographer to work with. Yeah, it just felt modern, fresh. Like yeah. it just, yeah. But still within Hallmark, which is, again, I... Bravo, right. bravo. Even when Cassandra's yeah. hair was back in the first shot and she was wearing the pink shirt and she had the, oh my God. I took a picture of you on the TV because I was like, whoa. And then your cousin was telling me, wow, she looks just like her mom, so beautiful. Like it was oh. so good. I was like, yeah. that is so sweet. I know, I remember watching it and like seeing also Amy's beautiful coats throughout it. I was like, oh, is that from Aritzia? I was like, oh, that is so cute. And that gray coat where she was sitting on the bed. We could talk about clothes for days, guys, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous. All, All the needs to do an integration where you can like pause the movie and it, you know, you can uh, yeah, shop, shop that look. Yeah. Shop that look. Yeah. I love like that. Oh no, I'll have to put my wallet in another room. <laughs> I was just gonna say we were talking about lighting. I think Melissa mentioned this scene earlier, but it, one of my favorite scenes. Speaking of technical, I know I don't talk too much about the technical, <laughs> but when they're at the Chinese New Year's festival, oh and my with, goodness, with the backwards, yes. yeah, that whole lighting. Yeah. How you're talking about where they're walking down the Beautiful. stairs, like wow. that whole scene. And then that's that was definitely that was my. I would say that was pr probably like an ode to indie, you know, because uh, <laughs> like it really, <laughs> it was really one of those things where we had those, we had those twinkle lights, yeah. you know, in the back. And sometimes, um, sometimes that's <laughs> not for Hallmark, but sometimes that's all you've got, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, how do I, how can I, what lens am I using and how can I make this, you know, the most that it can be. And I knew because of the amount of dialogue in that scene, I didn't want to watch two people not moving and 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 saying all of that. Um, so I knew that I wanted to do a walk and talk. And when Paul and I were scoping out the location, there was this beautiful walkway that was above sort of the main area. Um, and so we decided to dress that with with the twinkle lights and just have them walk through it and and I have found that in a, in a lot of cases the simplicity of something like that just sometimes the more we add it we go back to that faith thing again Ham. you know the more that the more that we add we start to take away by accident 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was that was. But also those Chinese, the dragon things and the beauty of it. And then I don't know if you guys noticed, but even at the end of the scene, it continued on in the most beautiful spot. I could still see the dragon going in the background. And I'm like, oh, everybody was still it working was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful people to work with too. It was so integral and, and, and every, everyone there was so happy. Yeah. to get to be a part of it and get because you, like how often is like is there a chinese new year in a hallmark movie right you know what i mean so it was one of those things where we got to incorporate you know more diversity and everything and it was like wait you, you want us to what oh my gosh let us bring all the different things that we've yeah. got you know and they were in the back doing all you know it was it was great it was oh, their thing the chemistry between the two leads I'd, I'd love to touch on that a little bit but also you had two almost kisses in this film. And I know that's sort of like a hallmark staple. How do you all feel about the almost kiss? And what were you doing with the two almost kisses? They were driving us crazy. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my, is it gonna happen here? It doesn't happen, nope, nope, nope. Like, what is, what is your, your methodology around the almost kiss? And how do you all feel about the almost kiss in these films? I personally don't wanna see anything that isn't organic. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, I, it's not necessarily about exactly how it happens, although I'm over like somebody being interrupted when they like they're about to kiss and then somebody's friend walks in the room. It's like real people kiss. <laughs> That's what we do. We yeah. kiss, yeah. Before, you know, before we get to, to the last frame. Um, but the, the way it goes down, you know, is something that I really enjoy in all of Sarah Montana's scripts, you know, because she and I pretty much agree like organic. Yeah, great but how can we sort of reinvent at times or take a new spin on it or just not go to format, you know, mm -hmm. because with two turtle doves, the almost kiss was him saying he, he couldn't bring himself to do it because there were certain things emotionally that weren't in place. And to me, I was like, Oh yes, that is so sexy. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, because if I'm not turned on while I'm watching this, I don't, I don't think all the millions of, of women and men who are watching, yeah. if I'm not turned on, I'm the first line of defense here, you know, <laughs> then I'm not passing this on, you know, I need to be turned on when I watch my, my leads. I need to look at him and be like, yes. And look at her and be like, get it girl, you know? <laughs> and, and if that's not happening, then mm -hmm. we've got work to do because I do not want to watch two people who would rather not kiss each other, kiss each other, you know? Not at all saying that that's what happened here. I'm sure they were very pleased to kiss each other, but it, nobody wants to watch that if it's not, you know, in flow. And so, yeah, Sarah is really great at either reinventing the almost kiss or throwing those sort of like red herrings and, and different things where it kind of like trips up the audience and they're like, well, wait a second, isn't it's a it's a seventh act isn't there supposed to be an almost kiss here are we uh, waiting till act nine to you know where it can sort of be a little bit all over the place and then you don't you know it's taken you out of the format a bit i am an expert at the almost kiss because <laughs> i think i invented it and um, it is being the definition of how i quote unquote date um that's the best way to encompass it is the almost kiss um but i also noticed that even at one point i think michael uh rady his character actually discussed it while it was happening. And I loved that. I was like, he was like identifying it, calling so it out. Sexy. And that moment yeah. became super sexy. Yep. So yeah, like, I'd be like, 65, 35, just do it, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. I loved that line. Yeah. 
And I, I do feel like I've noticed a bit of a trend in Hallmark movies before The Kiss. There was a Project Christmas Wish, mm-hmm. and he, the, uh, the male lead, had asked if he could kiss her. Before. Oh my goodness. I got chills when we you just, said that. We just talked chills. about this in our last podcast. Yeah. Oh, no way. Okay. Because I, I noticed that watching that film and then with this film as well is asking for consent, consent which I thought was amazing, mm-hmm. but also it worked and it was so sexy uh-huh. and it was great. And I love that they were showing that. Yeah. We actually just completely uh, agree. The, the writer of that film actually got back to us. Yeah. Joie Botkin. She wrote Project Christmas Wish, and she said that that was ad-libbed, him asking oh, no. if he could kiss her, yeah. And it was, it was incredible. Yeah, right? we, we mentioned that. We loved that scene. And she was like, yeah, that wasn't my line. He <laughs> ad-libbed that. <laughs> no, I loved that. I it's that, that type of chemistry that's so important, though. And, I, and, and honestly, something I feel really passionate about is that there is, I'm not a fan when someone says chick flick. And I'm not a fan when, you know, there are these sort of like ways that people think a a rom-com is supposed to be or, you know, what it's supposed to feel like. And if, if the energy's there and if the story is true, it doesn't matter what gender you are, where you come from, what's going on, you're going to find yourself involved in, in, Mm -hmm. in what's happening. And the more that we can, you know, Uh, Frankly, the more that we can cast people that have these entry points, like, yeah, let's cast men like Michael Rady, you know, who can meet women in these moments, (laughs) you know, let's cast these women who can, you know, embody these characters for us. And no offense about, you know, casting any other other movie or anything, but I on purpose have worked with Michael Rady twice. You know, because he's amazing and he's ready to go to these places. And I don't, I don't want to watch movies where I wouldn't kiss the lead, you know, where, where like, it's kind of like, wait, why is she attracted to him? He's coming, (laughs) it's a little creepy to me. I don't know why, because we start to lose, we start to lose our connection to the lead's journey. And it's like, why, why is she doing this? Just going back to thrillers, you know, too, is like, if we start to lose why our lead is doing something. I start to get really upset with the lead, you know, yeah. I'm no, why are you going there? What is the purpose of, you know, and, and, and yeah. we start to kind of lose that, you know, how we go along the journey with them. Mm-hmm. The exact same with rom-coms, you know, why do women, why do we have to watch things where we wouldn't even be <laughs> doing that in real life? And then our daughters and sons growing up and watching stuff that looks like this, all of a sudden that's the new normal. You know what I mean? Like, let's keep it, let's keep it real. You know, I was helping somebody do an audition once and it was a gentleman and it was just shortly after all this Me Too stuff where I was like, wow, I'm not going to be turned on for a very long time. What's going to happen? Everybody's just like so scared of everything. And then I noticed that the, you know, the doors were opening for women and people of color and I'm so happy for that. But, you know, you have to balance it with, you know, experience. It's like, you know, and the only thing that's going to ever set you free is the truth and I was helping a gentleman with his audition once and he had to say the line to the person off camera and he was arguing with this woman and he goes would you calm down and then he in the the actor's take he just kept going and I said let me just explain something to you if I'm fighting with you and you tell me to calm down 
my face is gonna change. You best be acknowledging that, you know what I mean? And then he was like, oh yeah. And then it just took on a whole life, another life of its own, right? Because you have to realize that there's other people reacting to you and they're equally invested in their stories. And you just gotta realize that there are other people in the room. You know what I mean? Like as an actor, you even when you're auditioning, there's nobody really there except for your reader. You have to imagine all of that. And this guy, I was like, imagine you said, I'm like, what would my face say to you? And then he, it just became, that moment became so good. We just kept taping it over and over. It was so good. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Never say calm down or relax. Yeah. Never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just don't do it. <laughs> smile. Yeah. Why don't you smile a little bit? It's oh, so much gosh. prettier when you smile. <laughs> one thing one thing I was going to say real quick to you though was the thing that I've really enjoyed working with Hallmark on is that every executive I've worked with has had the intention now to to do these things that we're talking about there there's no intention to stay in a like a former way of telling a story and that's been really exciting for me is to get to have these exact conversations with the execs and with the network on how to move how to move all of this forward you yeah. know and I really I really would like to speak to that yeah and whether or not they get it right is almost irrelevant let's look at that they're trying okay yeah. so we have a bunch of people that are collaborating and I know I follow homework pretty intensely and you know sometimes they upset their fan base and sometimes you know every once in a while but at least they're trying you know what I mean and they don't mean any like they, they do it in such a beautiful way that it's collaborative and it's forward thinking and it's not always going to be perfect but they're trying and I think that's you know the most important thing to remember in the world is as long as our intentions are good and we are trying to do the best for the most people then let's keep trying but to stay in a certain bubble and only do it one way because that works that's not going to serve us for very long either right. And, and I believe projects should mirror reality and they should mirror the issues like going on in the world and people should be able to learn from projects that they watch. So I think it's so important for things to be adapting, which yeah. is amazing to see the direction yeah. everything's going. And that's, I might explain the growth of Hallmark too, is that they are trying new things or bringing new viewers and hopefully it'll continue to grow because I love these new batch of movies that are coming out. Like, yeah, they're great. Mm -hmm. And also like, they also teach you how to fight. You know what I mean? You can disagree with somebody and not, it doesn't have to go to like zero to whatever just happened. I'm not even gonna, yeah. But it's teaching people that you can hear somebody else's point of view and sit with it. It doesn't have to become your own, but you can actually talk to people. I learned that the most on, um, I did a scene with Michael Rady. I think I punched him once and Leslie was like, don't punch him. That's not the way to go. And I was like, oh my God, that's right. You know what I mean? Like they teach you, I was just afraid of I did I was like, brother, sister punches on the shoulder. And Leslie's like, don't punch people. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know. But it actually, like, it teaches you how to disagree. It teaches you how to, like, see somebody else's point of view and really listen and hear what they're saying. So I appreciate it for that. Yeah. And also, yeah, how to communicate and also, you know, talking to people and, and asking for help. I think that's one thing too, is I feel like the characters, they always, they always reach out to someone close to them and explain what they're going through. And I think that's important to see because yeah. it's very easy to just bottle things up. So seeing that kind of healthy communication habit is nice. No, I, we hundred percent agree on that. You know, I think to sort of wrap things up, because again, you know, thank you guys for your time here. We'd like to ask you guys, do you have a New Year's resolution that you're willing to share and what that New Year's resolution is? 
Or do you not believe in them? Yeah. <laughs> do you not believe in them? <laughs> I can uh, Yeah, whoever. Um, I, I, so it's funny, uh, uh, a number of interviews that I've done have, have asked me this question because of the, the movie that this is. And what I'm going to say is I, I'm actually not a New Year's resolution person. I have found it, in my experience that uh, it can be kind of an intellectual choice to have New Year's resolution and my mind can make up that I'm going to do something and then a month later it can also talk myself out of it. So I, I personally have found that intentions work better for me, mm -hmm. that when I set an intention, it's sort of like throwing that anchor out into the water and then sort of everything that rises are all the things that I can't be with or that I was scared about in the first place, that as I keep moving closer and closer to that anchor, I'm getting to grow myself by moving towards the intention. So I can't make up my mind to leave anymore. It's all part of the, the journey now. And I have found that to be a profound and beneficial to, to my life. I love that. That was beautiful. Yeah, I want that one. I'm taking that one. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I also don't, I don't tend to make New Year's resolutions. I like to, you know, believe that I'm ever changing, ever working on myself. So I like to make resolutions throughout the year and just goals. And I think one thing that's so important with, you know, the topic of making goals and resolutions is getting like so specific about them. So I like to write down a goal and then put bullet points underneath of how I'm going to do that and just get very specific or else it's so easy to kind of say, oh, I'm going to meditate every day, but how are you going to do that for how long? How are you going to make time in your day? So I like to do that throughout the year. I'm not one to set myself up for failure, so I don't do resolutions. I <laughs> like literally over the years, I'm like, it's hard enough in the world as it is. Why am I going to make it harder on myself? So what I do instead is I'm a firm believer of you get what you believe and your thoughts create your beliefs. So if you could start like what Leslie was saying is, you know, having an intention, but also like having certain words that you want to bring into your life, like ease and joy and collaboration and all that wonderful stuff. I've noticed if you keep ruminating on it, what you think you believe and you get what you believe. So I really, really, it's more of a, for me, it's like, Things like um, if there was a resolution that I would make, it would be, you know, like what they've been saying all over the world right now is that your words are important. And in that, it's like, I'm now really consciously just taking a look at myself. And that's, I'm resolved to take a look at myself and say, what are my words? And what are their impact? And am I always careful with my words? No. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely not. But I have to start addressing it. And so in that, I'm more of a manifester, you know, instead of a, you know. I'm going to not drink wine or something, which is just. <laughs> I love that. Once again, we can't thank you mm -hmm. enough for joining us. You're our first interview that we've had. Uh, so thank you guys. Oh, this is awesome. It's your number 20, by the way. Yeah. Number 20. Thank you. Um, so before you guys leave, um, we do want you to just quickly let us know where our listeners can connect with you. And maybe if you, have something you want to positively plug or promote just you can share that yeah. oh yeah sure um i'm leslie dimitriatis on both instagram and facebook and leslie keeps up to date on the different things that, that i'm doing 
I'm easy to find because I'll just find you, just like I did in this. <laughs> I am a cyber stalker, so don't worry, guys. I'll find you. Um, but if I was to make a little uh, plug for anything right now, it would be for my province of Manitoba, where we are now going to be building uh, sound stages and developing even more of those amazing crews to work with. Um, and we're making it into a, a really, really amazing film destination so that directors like Leslie can come and have all their tools and toys and wonderful crews and they can go and blow things up inside and do whatever they got to do to make wonderful, wonderful stuff. Okay. I, don't I know love that. that. I love that. <laughs> That's my plug. I love um, you can find me at Cassandra Potenza on Instagram and yeah, feel free to reach out. Yeah, she'll answer. Can you. I also just say I follow you on Instagram and you are an exquisite ballet dancer. Yes. Oh, exquisite. Thank you. I danced oh. for like 25 years and at ballet and I love seeing your photos. I oh, love I seeing your photos. I gotta tell you guys something so too. Much. Actually, yeah, let me let me point out one more thing. So um I actually, yeah, I'm doing a little ballet on American Gods season three, which premieres tonight. <gasps> Whoa, yes! congratulations. <laughs> That's but awesome. Thank you so much. Dance is, you know, something so close to my heart. So. Hey, do you guys know this little known fact about this crew member in, in Winnipeg? Nathan Michael Fletcher, who works on wardrobe, ballet dancer. Yeah, he teaches dance. Yes. He's, he's amazing. And he does teach dance. And you guys have to, when you see him, you'll understand what I'm saying right now. But good luck. <laughs> well, thank you all again. Um, we couldn't have asked for a better group of people to kick off our, our interview. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for making this movie. Like, honestly, it's one of our favorites. It, yeah, very we awesome. want to see, see more, more from all of you, yeah. more like this. We loved it so much. Thank you for having us. Yes, Thanks, thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you guys and be so reunited nice. with you guys as well. <laughs> I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and continue to have a great new year and hopefully we'll talk soon. Thank, thank you. So you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks again. Thanks.